Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Brute Force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Softweb Radio. Special Operations Military News and Straight Talk with the Guys in the Community. Hey, what's going on? This is Rad, your host for Soft Rep Radio, bringing you another awesome episode today. My guest joining me is author John Wynn Miller. Okay. And that's W I N. I want to point that out. John Wynn Miller. And he has written the book, the novel, the world war II epic that's out right now that you can go and purchase on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And it's called the hunt for the Peggy C. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks. I'm uh, happy to be here. Happy to be anywhere actually, but <laughs> to be here. <laughs> well, to our listeners, you're an author. You're an investigative journalist. You have background in research and studying. What is it that made you just want to write and become an author? Is this your first endeavor? It is my first novel. Um, I became a journalist more than 30 years ago, let's say, because I wanted to write the great American novel. Unfortunately, I didn't know how to write, and I had nothing to write about. I'd had no exciting experiences, so... I became a journalist, ended up being an investigative reporter, a Pulitzer finalist. Then uh, I was a foreign correspondent based in Italy for almost five years for the AP and the Wall Street Journal, covered politics. And when I retired the first time, i.e. took a buyout because the newspaper industry was collapsing, I was determined that I was going to learn how to write screenplays. And the idea had actually occurred to me years before. This true story, it's, it's strange. I had been watching a, a movie, a really bad movie that I can't remember the name, 
with my daughter, Allison. And the whole time I kept saying, I know I can write a better script than this. I just know it. Right. And that night I had a dream. And when I woke up, I knew the first scene and I knew the last scene of the screenplay. And I knew the name of the ship, the Peggy C. Where that came from, I have no idea. And so years later, when I decided to write a screenplay, I read books and watched videos and went to conferences and finally wrote the the script and actually got some interest in Hollywood. Not great. Obviously, I didn't sell it. And then when COVID hit, I decided, you know, it's about time that I write that novel. I wanted to start writing 40 years ago or so. I just started writing. Again, I, I took some online courses. I read books. I had the advantage that by this point, I know how to write. I can write clearly. Uh-huh. Doing screenplays taught me how to create dramatic scenes and how to build character arcs. So I felt kind of ready. And I surprised myself and finished it in about seven months and then got a publisher, Bancroft Press, which <laughs> I sent out 50 query letters. That's good. Yeah. Oh, it, was, it was huge. And then the publishing process, it takes 18 months to get a book out. So I sold this 18 months ago, and now it's just uh, appearing on your bookshelves. Anyway, so that's the reason why I wanted to write. I'd always wanted to do it, and I decided, look, I may as well just do it. So. so now you need to go have another dream tonight and decide <laughs> on your next path tomorrow morning. <laughs> Believe it or not, uh, I, I enjoyed writing the book so much, that, and I loved the characters so much that I immediately turned around and started writing the sequel. My publisher said, you need to keep writing. So I did, and I finished yes. the sequel in a few months ago, and now I'm into the third volume, which may or may not be the last volume in this series, but using a lot of the same characters all during World War II, different phases. So it's been fun. Yeah, I love that. That's a great backdrop, World War II, you know, and uh, U-boats and studying, you know, the movements that you had uh, researched about U-boats, right? You were studying logs and just reading everything and just soaking it all up, right? Yeah, that's the disadvantage I had. They always say, write what you know. Well, I know nothing about U-boats. I've never been on one. I know nothing about tramp steamers. Never been on one. Right. Uh, I'm not Jewish, although I have uh, Ashkenazi blood and Jewish relatives. So I had to do a ton of research because I wanted what I wrote to be historically accurate and to get the technology accurately. So when you finish my book, You will pretty much know what it's like to live on a U-boat or a tramp steamer. You'll know how to drive a a U-boat, which took me forever to figure out. And there are some really cool websites that are devoted to data on U-boats. There's one where I was able to, as you mentioned, I was able to read the logs of every U-boat captain during the war. And I used that because I wanted to know what the phases of the moon were each stage of my chase. This, the book is, it's a a World War II thriller, but it's about an American smuggler, kind of a dark past, who rescues a Jewish family from Amsterdam and puts them, sneaks them out on his rusty cargo ship which really upsets his crew of misfits because they didn't know he was going to do something so dangerous and ends up sparking a chase, um, almost 3,000 mile chase by a U-boat captain bent on revenge. So I had to research each piece of that in significant detail. So I didn't want to just say, you know, they, they had a submachine gun. What kind of submachine gun? What's an MP40? How many rounds? 40. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say <laughs> MP40, MP44. You know, yeah. didn't even have that. Like, were they using, you know, the Luger? What was or, you they, know, Well, the, that's one thing I had to be careful about, because if I were just to go on what the movies show or what you think, you would think they all had Lugers. Well, the Navy right. actually used Mausers. They used the M1934 pistol. So, Which is I, used by Han Solo in Star Wars. 
That's right. <laughs> it is. I just want to point that out. Okay. So the Mauser you're talking about yeah. for my listener, if you are like, what does that gun look like? Right. Yeah. If you're listening, if you can think of Star Wars and Han Solo has it and it shoots a laser, but they just flared out the end <laughs> with a new muzzle brake, right? And put yeah. a scope on it. That's well, right. Well, in, I mean, really. In so the, the guns play a significant role because different people had different kinds of guns. So, for instance, the, the captain of my ship, Jake Rogers, he has an old Colt M1911, which um, was sort of a blue steel, uh, walnut checkered handle, World War One pistol that he kept locked up in his cabin in case his, he needed it to deal with his crew, which he frequently sure. did. But that it was that kind of detail that uh, I wanted people like you to read it and say, oh, right, I know what that is. That's the right weapon. Yes. Uh, or that's the type of uniform he would wear. That's what the insignias were on submarines. For instance, U-boats generally did not have, you know, like U-295 on them because they didn't want uh-huh. the allies to be able to track them. So most of them had emblems on them, like a leaping frog or jumping dolphin or a snorting bull. Wow. And uh, so I had to be careful with how I described U-boats that I, I didn't put something on them that typically wasn't there. So it, again, that was a lot of fun. And some of these websites, there's one called U-boat. Uh, yeah, uboat.net that I can look at the history of every single U-boat, every captain that was on it, ships that they sank, when and where, a lot of articles about the technology aboard U-boats, not so much on tramp steamers. It was a little harder for me to research them because they weren't quite as romantic, I guess, as uh, you know, U-boat captains who many of them wrote memoirs, not many merchant ship captains were members. so they are just the captain yeah they're yeah like, hey i've already <laughs> yeah and, stardate 376 you know it's like get going yeah <laughs> and so i get into a lot of how tough it was to sail um, my, my story starts in amsterdam and they end up going through the english channel the Strait of Gibraltar through the Mediterranean and almost to Palestine. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Which uh, is why it's a 3,000 mile chase, which yeah. you kind of allude to. And and then you have all these days that go along with 3,000 miles. Yeah. Right? And, all these different scenarios that have to take place over 3,000 miles of traversing the ocean with different types of, you know, currents and again, moon cycles like. You know, is the moon always shining on the water or is it completely right. pitch black out? You know, it's like, right. Well, and I had and to so, make sure. If and I, so you're, you, when I started, I can't remember if it was a full moon or not the first night. And so I had to go through the phases of the moon as the trip went along, you know, and go to, you know, half moon, gibbous, waning moon. And, and, but I had to make sure that those were accurate as I went along. And I also had to understand the ocean currents, for instance, again, a submarine, mm-hmm. a U-boat, you know, they just don't sink and drive along. It's they've got two guys. They're manning either electronic buttons or wheels. The helmsman trying to or the planesman who are trying to keep the boat level because if the water temperature will impact them. The salinity of the water impacts them, so they're constantly trying to keep the boat trim. In the whole buoyancy is like uh, they're trying to stay afloat instead of sinking this yes. heavy machine to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, they, they run. What kind of engine was it? Was it a diesel engine yeah. that they used? Well, they actually uh, they were they using had diesel. Two engines. Uh, they had an AEG two diesel engines, and then. When they were submerged, uh, the diesels had to have oxygen. Mm-hmm. When they were submerged, they ran electric motors, and which was oh wow cool. But they didn't last that long. You know, the charges, the whole bottom of the U-boat was lined with batteries, which were charged by the diesel engine when they were on the surface. Then when they went under, mm-hmm. they were they lost their charge <laughs> after maybe a day or so. So. It also impacted the speed of the U-boat. Traditionally, 
you know, again, if you look in the movies, you'll see the U-boat captain at the the periscope doing this and then they're shooting. But in most cases, they the U-boat captains preferred to be on the surface and attacking either with their torpedoes or with they had an 8.8 centimeter gun. I would call it a cannon, but uh, on the uh, deck mm-hmm. that they would use to attack. And on the surface, they could do 17 knots. And underneath and beneath, they could barely do seven knots. So a typical convoy was moving at maybe 10 knots. And so they couldn't keep up Mm -hmm. with the convoys if they were uh, underwater. Um, And they would run out of oxygen pretty quickly or they would run out of electricity to to power them so they had yeah, their battery supply yeah it was uh, so they'd have to be forced to resurface to run their diesel engines so that they could breathe right so they could get going again and honestly it seems like what you're explaining is that the captain if it was me would be like all right let's just stay you know military crest in the water you know <laughs> just right up above where you know if we have to get out we can get out but we can also engage with our weaponry against other ships or well, anything on the shore. They're, they're uh, low slung, yeah. except for the conning tower, which yeah. would stick up. And I, I described the conning towers looking like from the front, it looks like a rook in chest. And from the side, it actually looks like a boot because there's a back, not a patio, but a <laughs> platform uh, that uh, like a deck area, uh, yeah. a deck area on the back. So they would prefer to be up above the water level. Because they could see better, the uh, the t- the periscopes. There were actually two periscopes. Something else I learned on U boats and on most submarines. And what the you the periscope you see most often on TV or in movies down in the control room, again with the captain doing this or the first officer, mm-hmm. first watch officer. That is the observation periscope. It's used mainly to look for planes and scout out for ships. It's, it can be used for firing, but typically uh, the shooting or the firing, it takes place in the conning tower where the captain, the number one, who's the boatswain, and then the, or, uh, the, yeah. the helmsman are in there on a, periscope that does not go up and down again like you see in the movie it goes around and the captain is sitting like on a bicycle seat holding the handles and he's got pedals that he'll push to turn left or right he can't go up or down it's that's where it is it is where it is it's already it's already static yeah at that point so it's going to stay there Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So even when they dive, it's still static like that. They can raise the end, but the, the uh, mm-hmm. handles don't go up and down inside like of it. Yeah, yeah. That's I guess that's a clear. so you have to maneuver around that on the ship, right? So I mean, like if you're the captain or you're uh, driving it in the front, and you've got to get back to wherever you got to go around this hanging down piece in a cramped area and try to maneuver around everything. And yeah, it's <laughs> it's got to be men with like hardened souls to go inside of a submarine and become a submariner in any military. Okay. Whatever the fact is that these guys are putting themselves in these, uh, could be water coffins. Yeah, right? exactly. Seriously. Uh, the, you know, the metal coffins are and for U boaters. The survival rate was the lowest of all military branches. It's like two thirds to three quarters of everybody who served in on U boats died. So it was, really hard service but to compensate for that the commander of all u-boats was uh vice admiral carl dunitz who made sure that all u-boat officers and men were paid almost twice what other branches were paid and when they returned from a mission they would usually get several weeks off and there was a special train that would take them back to Berlin or to some of the resorts that were reserved just for U-boat uh, personnel as sort of a reward for the horrible conditions that they've lived in and the danger that they had. So even on board the ship or boat, uh, they had the best food available. They ate very well, although fresh food only lasted for about two weeks. So they had a lot of canned food, a lot of uh, meats, the dried meats. Mm-hmm. But they still, they ate much better than the average soldier. They made more money. They were more likely to die than the other soldiers. So uh, right. and I can't, right. it's just unbelievably claustrophobic to think about, you know, you're stuck in this this tube where there's barely enough room to stand up. And it's jam-packed mm-hmm. at the beginning of a mission. They put food, cans of food or vegetables or anywhere they can. In fact, there's two heads on a a submarine, two bathrooms. At the beginning of the mission, one of the heads is completely full of cans. So you can't use it. So you got 45 men who are going to have to use one toilet. And if it's below the surface, too deep where the water pressure won't allow you to flush the toilet. Oh my gosh. They have to use buckets. And uh, the buckets are traditionally were kept around in the diesel engine room. Now and you know you got a corridor through the middle that may be three feet wide. So it's um very difficult. What yeah and uh, they oh, yeah. have hanging above them they'll have um hams and sausages and the dark bread. Uh, you know, it, it looks like a cave and, uh, they'll also have chains in, in the forward torpedo room, which is where most of the enlisted men would sleep. Um, and they were hot bunked and then, you know, they got, they had to share bunks. So, but they would have these chains that were used for moving torpedoes and things like that, that made it look like stalactites and stalagmites. So you really felt like you were in a cave. So. Oh yeah, just like you barely ha- you were just part of the the whole machine. You're just a cog in its wheel. You're just like, you know, as you're the human element to keeping it going and that's simply put, you know. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. You know? like, and you've all got what would what would they, you know, they 
I would rather stay on the surface. <laughs> well, even that could be dangerous uh, because when they did come up on the surface, traditionally, typically, the captain, the first watch officer, and four other um, watchmen would come up, and the watchmen would have to station themselves at noon, 12, I mean, 12, 3, 6, and 9 with the binoculars and not move. You know, they couldn't, if something blew up behind them, if they turned around and looked, they were subject to court martial. So they set up there. Now, it, it sounds like fun. Okay, I'm in the clear air. But when you have 30 and 40 foot waves coming at you, the ice cold North Atlantic, you know, you've got clothes on that are never yeah. dry. Um, and they're supposed to be waterproof. They're leather or uh, oil skin. And they're not, you know, <laughs> if you get, hammered by waves like that they don't stay dry very long and so you're there you're fighting that and the cold Uh, you're up there for two to four hours and uh, there was one case that i i mentioned in the novel where uh, it was clear weather but there were really rough seas and uh, maybe you know 30 40 foot waves big waves and the watch crew went up onto the conning tower and they, it was so clear they were afraid to put on their safety straps. And, and normally they would have this leather strap that they would strap to the uh, conning tower, but they didn't do it. So this convergent of unfortunate circumstances happened where this, the U-boat was heading uh, in a following sea, meaning that the sea was they were going in the direction of the sea They came to a huge wave and they were going up the wave. And before they got crest, another 40 foot wave came Uh, over behind them, took all four of the watch crew and they were never seen again. So (laughs) even if they, and the reason they didn't put their, so the surface. Yeah. The, the reason they didn't so the extra pay though right yeah, yeah. well and there was this yeah. real esprit de corps uh among you voters i mean when you're in that much danger all the time you you really think you're something special um and i i kind of make a little fun of that where my hero uh captain rogers is a, a real cynic he uh rumor has it that he fled america as a young man because he killed somebody and He's tough. He's gruff. He's um, you're, you're never sure when his temper is going to explode. But uh, uh-huh. so it's uh, and I've completely lost where I was going with that story. But uh, oh no, well, no, that's okay because the wave came up and then it crashed down on him. And then I was like, "That's extra pay," you know? Like, oh yeah, yeah. And then the captain. Well, what I, yeah. I was going to mention is that the reason they didn't have their safety belts on. Um, is that they were afraid that the planes, because it was so clear that they could be attacked by oh, right. uh, British walruses or uh, Southerlands and uh, wouldn't be able to get back into the Torpedo. ship on time. Uh, so it's yeah. just a stupid mistake. Uh, but the Esprit de Corps. Oh, yeah. And, and now in the. Now, in, now in the book, uh, you rescue a Jewish family from Amsterdam, yeah. or the characters are involved in rescue during the World War II, uh, you know, war. Now, where did that, where did that, you know, I know where it came from because that happened in the war all the time, but these characters that you picked out, one of them's name is Miriam, right? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Let, tell us a little bit about that adventure. So, uh, Captain Rogers is a, um, smuggler basically and he goes from port to port um transporting things that are legal and maybe less than legal and this takes place right before america enters the war and he's on an american flagship so they're neutral so they can go to a lot of the ports uh, in theory and not get uh, sunk so when rogers in the peggy sea dock in Amsterdam because he's bringing um, something for a Nazi official that they wanted transported, uh, not a weapon, just some, some prize. Um, anyway, he uh-huh. uh, 
the way tramp steamers work is the captain gets there. Normally there, there, there's an agent that helps them find more, um, stores or things to ship. Well, his agent is gone. So he has to go looking for cargo and he goes to, um, one of the men he has worked with before. And he gives him and said, I will pay you more than you can earn in five lifetimes to transport this pack, this uh, box, this cargo, this cargo. Yeah. And then uh, once they get it on the ship, he does it for money. And then they discover that they're uh, a family of Jews hidden in the box and including Miriam, who's the oldest daughter of the family. And they, uh, the crew gets really upset because you know, they they point out, you know, if you smuggle booze or cigarettes, the, the Germans don't care. They'll just take their taste. Mm-hmm. But if you're smuggling Jews, they will kill you. And uh, unfortunately, they get stopped by a U-boat for inspection, which was not unusual. And they'd hidden the Jews away uh, in a secret compartment, which the German boarding party quickly finds. And... So Rogers has to use his brains and he tricks the U-boat to go in a bad place so they can't chase him. And so that's where the chase begins. So then he's got this family of Jews that he gradually becomes really uh, enchanted with because of the warm family relationship, something he's never had. Sure. Came from a broken family. Um, And, uh, you know, the rituals uh, are so comforting uh, in the joy and the, uh, even in terrible situations. And Miriam, like him, is a uh, reads voraciously. And that's what makes this Captain Rogers a little unusual is that he reads voraciously. And they have turned out that they've read a lot of the same books like Ivanhoe or uh, other adventure books. And that right. plays a key role later on uh, because of that shared knowledge. Anyway, they gradually fall in love and, and she go get had, the book. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't tell too much. <laughs> yeah, no. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No I don't want you to tell everything about it. I just know that, uh, you know, there's a fondness for Miriam. And, yeah. you know, even like what you just mentioned, it's World War II. They're being persecuted for just being alive on the planet Earth. Yep for who they are no rhyme or reason to it and uh he still sees family love yeah. between them in dire needs of being boarded by the u-boats yeah. <laughs> like you know they're still trying to keep a positive outlook on life uh but you know you're being chased and hunted just because of and he you know, uh, he like most americans had no idea how bad it was for the jews in amsterdam or anywhere in nazi-occupied right. europe and what he saw when he was there appalled him. But then uh, she, one night, she starts talking to him about what it was like to live in uh, Amsterdam under the Nazis. Because, it, you know, it's almost like the story, the, the apocryphal story, probably, of the boiling frog. You know, you put a frog in water and slowly turn the heat up and he won't jump out until he's boiled. Well, that's what the Nazis did. It was so insidious. Um, at first, they didn't do anything other than, well, you have to, everybody has to register and you have to tell us your religion. Okay. And then you have to give us your mm -hmm. address. Then uh, now you're going to have to carry a special passport with J for Jew on it. Oh, by the way, now you can't go to any public parks and you're fired from any job you had in government. So it gradually gets worse and worse. And then just a even more insidious is they force the Jews to appoint a Jewish council that is going to enforce all of their rules. Now, the, those poor guys who are on that council, rabbis and you know, prominent citizens, they believe that if we can just control the protests and make sure that no one is breaking the law, that it can't get any worse. Well, of course, it gets worse. And it gets worse mm -hmm. and worse. And Miriam's mantra is, why don't we ever fight back? And the, the answer was, because it'll only get worse. And um, there, there, there's a scene where there's this great irony of uh, the Netherlands, it, you know, a very liberal country, but Jews were protected and then abandoned. So in early in the war, in, 19, in February 1941, the entire country went on strike against um, the Nazis for their treatment of Jews. Um, for three days, the, the whole country, was, most of the country was shot, shut down till the Germans suppressed the protest with guns and grenades. And they ended up arresting a bunch of people and sending them off to concentration camps. So there were no more major protests but that so that was one side of the dutch you know they're the only country that had a nationwide protest about the nazis treatment of jews um, and then they also became the country that had the highest percentage of jews who were killed and so it, it's this irony and miriam goes into a lot of that so you get to see just no it's just how terrible it is and it also adds tension to the escape because you know what is going to happen to them uh and they, they can't just drop off in england for instance because they won't accept them mm -hmm. uh america won't accept them cuba won't accept them uh france you know all the countries that surround holland were uh, nazi occupied or nazi sympathizers the only country in europe that actually did something about it was Denmark. And again, one of the things that was fun about this book was every time I started yes. doing research, I'd st stumble on something and say, what? I had no idea that happened. I, you know, I'd never heard of this. Yeah. So I was mentioning Denmark. When the Germans took over, they didn't do anything with the Jews at first. Then they passed an ordinance saying that we're going to round them up. The Danish hid every Jew, there were about 8,000 in Denmark, snuck them across the water into neutral Sweden. So fewer than, uh, only a few hundred Jews ever were rounded up by the Germans in Denmark. 
Uh, it's remarkable. I mean, it was a little easier because the border, the you know, it's a small waterway between Denmark and Sweden. But so there was a lot of fascinating little tidbits of history that I kept running into that were, I think, will make the novel fun for people who really have read a lot about history. Uh, of sure. World War II, I think you'll be surprised at some of the things. Uh, hopefully, you'll be pleased with the accuracy of the technology and the history. Um, so it's uh, it, it's been a real labor of love in dread <laughs> dealing with some of that harm. <laughs> well, well, there's uh, you have a a website, right? Is it, uh, is your website, John Wynn Miller? Is that yeah. how do you, what is the J O H N W I N N M I L L E R John Wynn Miller. It's on my book, uh, that, uh, uh-huh. you can go to that and you can read more about me. You can read about the book. You can download the first chapter if you want. Uh, you can also order it because it's available everywhere you get your books on, on you know, Amazon, Audible, uh, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, um, and many local books. You have it narrated. It's yes. Did you do your own narration, or no, did you have someone? No. Yes. Have, you, have you heard my accent? <laughs> uh, well, I'm 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 actually just loving it. I have no problem. You know. <laughs> uh, actually, I was a I, I I did a lot of drama in high school and had to learn, and I did broadcasting because uh, for AP. When you filed a story, uh, you would also have to do a one-minute broadcast. You'd record it. And so I had to go through training to learn the difference between saying five and five. <laughs> so, five and five. Five and five. <laughs> um, anyway, so yes, I, I did not narrate the book. Uh, it, we ended up, the, the publisher hired an actor who ironically had graduated from the same college I did, the University of Kentucky, many years ago. Um, and he does a wonderful job because it's, I have so many foreign words and titles in there that he had to learn how to pronounce correctly. Yeah. And it, it was just dynamite, right. the, the work he put into it. So it's fun to listen to, if I do say so myself. <laughs> so. So you can read the book, you can download your book on Audible and, and listen to it if you're, you know, on the road and, or like to listen. And, uh, you know, I think that that would be a good, uh, Christmas gift, right? Yeah. Everybody loves, uh, you know, and a it's good not, book. And it's not just a war story. It's really, uh, it's this kind of lovely love story that's wrapped into an action adventure. I mean, there's lots of action, but it yeah. ultimately it's about, what they learn about each other, how Rogers, the captain, his character arc, as they would say in movies, is that he goes from the cynic who thinks um, soldiers are suckers and uh, that people who talk about honor and duty uh, are just, uh, they're fools. And that he talks about uh, Napoleon, uh, what Napoleon said that, it's amazing what people will do for little pieces of colored ribbons. And so he's always making fun of them for wanting to get those colored ribbons. Um, And by the end, he, he sees that there are things worth fighting for. Um, I I liken it to uh, if I, when I was pitching it as a movie, I would say it's a Casablanca meets Das Boot uh, because of the love story, uh, the, the cynical Rick, yeah, who by the end does the noble thing, and so it's it's a book for I hope for uh, most people would like it. It's an adventure story, it's a love story, it's a war story, but it it's really about people and love, which right, and just seeing each other for who they are, and not having yeah. any. You know, like we're just people bleeding the same red blood. I I say it on a lot of my episodes, you know, with a lot of my guests. And we all seem to agree that we're all just humans living on this earth together. And, uh, you know, we we should just keep it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And even even I was careful. um, I didn't want to do caricatures. So even the Nazi, the U-boat captain who kind of goes crazy, a guy named Victor Brower who's based on a number of real U-boat captains, both good ones and bad ones, and who did smart things and evil things. But he 
I tried not to make him a caricature. He really believes in what he's doing. He's doing his duty. He thinks he's doing God's will. Um, and that, sure. uh, you know, he's got to be tough to do tough things. Um, he thinks the Americans and the, the allies are hypocrites because they, you know, they complain about U-boats making uh, sneak attacks. And he said, well, they do the same thing, uh, which, in fact, they did. Um, so, and you learn a lot about his background, about his family. He's a self-made man who had to work his way through. He was a merchant Marine and worked his way through law school, uh, and then became a U-boat captain through some kind of slimy things. But, um, but he's, he's a real person. He's not just evil, although he ends up being pretty evil, you know? It's crazy that we're talking about this. I have to go back to this time when I was younger and I was with my father and we were in Wisconsin and he's like, you know, let's go take a look at something while we're visiting my dad. And I was like, all right, we left grandpa's house and he took me over to a submarine and there was a submarine that's docked in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Wow. And I got to go on. Yeah. And it's an old diesel style. And I don't think it's a U, but I think it's US. Yeah. Right. But it's there and it's. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a U.S. boat. And, uh, I mean, that's my submarine. Uh, I've been yeah. on it. You know, I went down into it. And so when you're talking about these three foot, you know, ways and how cramped these places are, uh, go on a, go on a submarine, go check one out. That's possibly like a museum that you can go walk on and you'll see exactly that. It's there are, claustrophobic. There is in Chicago, you know? there's a, a real live U boat that was captured a whole. Oh. I think it's U505 in the, the museum there, which, again, because of COVID, I couldn't go up and go through it. So I, I watched videos of it and uh, we got a lot of description. But the thing you don't get necessarily when you walk through a museum quality ship is you don't get mm-hmm. the, the smell, you know, the bodies that have been oh. in there for weeks without really they don't wash because they can't waste the water. They generally don't shave. You've got diesel fuel f- uh, fumes. You've got cooking fumes. you got sometimes the batteries get damaged, and so you've got chlorine gas, which is can be is poisonous mm-hmm. in enough Acidic. level. And, yeah. so, uh, and you've got moldy clothes that never dry, um, and you're sharing beds, uh, you, or you're sleeping on the floor in uh it, it just and, and you can't get to the bathroom. You got to use a bucket, so that adds to the smell. So and it's Jeez, it's, talk about quarantine. Uh, and it's it can be freezing <laughs> cold in there. They, they have heaters, but when they submerge and they're being chased, they turn the heaters off so they don't make any noise. So it, you know, there's condensation dripping all over the place. It's freezing cold. Um, no matter how many jackets they put on. Uh, they're they're just shivering underneath the water. And w- w- one of the ironies, again, something I learned is that uh, Admiral Dunitz, the the head of U boats, he described it. He said, "You know, U boats really aren't uh, underwater vessels; they're diving vessels. They're uh, they if they were just underwater, they would be like." Uh, a squid or something that waits waits in the rocks for the uh, prey to crawl into your mouth, and you can't do that. So they spend most of their time, or as much time as possible, on the surface, and they dive when they have to, um, because they become even more vulnerable. Then now that the Allies at the beginning did not have uh, a sonar or something to track them, but they did develop. It's called Astic. And uh, if you ask me what it stands for, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I know, but I can't remember. Uh, and it was a primitive type of sonar. So they could generally locate uh, U-boats. Um, and it became more sophisticated as the, the war went on. So when you submerge and you're being chased by a bunch of Allied destroyers, you're trying to be deathly silent. They turn everything off. They turn the heaters off. They have a... a a uh, gyro compass that uh, spins around that they turn that off because it, they don't want mm-hmm. any noise. Uh, the uh, no sound, no sound. They'll put uh, 
mattresses on the floor and socks on their, uh, take their boots off, um, only whisper. And uh, in most cases, they just have to stay in their beds or at their battle stations and wait. And as they wait, they can hear the sort of the, you know, the egg beater motors going around them, getting closer and closer. And then they can hear that pop and then a whoosh and then bubbles and then a click. And then that's when the uh-huh. bombs or the, uh, yeah, they, they detonate and they may be close to you. They may not blow you up right away, but they'll, you know, knock out your lights. Uh, they'll be stuck mm-hmm. in the dark uh, with water shooting everywhere. Again, the terror of all that, I just can't imagine. Um, but my no, point you know, is, I, I, when, you said, when you said ASDIC, when you, when you said the, the ASDIC, it's A-S-D-I-C, correct. right, real quick. Yep. And it says, later known as sonar, was a secret device for locating submerged submarines by using sound waves. Yeah. It was named after the Anti-Submarine Detection Investigation Committee. Yeah. So that's where it gets its name, yep. those four words. And it consisted of an electronic sound transmitter and receiver, and it was housed in a metal dome beneath the ship's hull. So that's, you know, they're trying to get on to capturing these boats and uh, yeah. <laughs> sonar, you know, one ping down bubble. <laughs> yes. And so they, uh, um, that's why most U-boats didn't survive. Um, and th- another sort of ironic thing is that fairly early in the war, um, because of Ultra, they, uh, they broke the, the code for uh submarines and they uh that was helpful but what really helped them was a a strength that the the uh enigma was the name of the machine that the uh Mm -hmm. the boats waiting to hear it and uh, you know it's a machine with three or four wheels that generate random letters and you have a, a a document that on water soluble pink paper that you can look up all right here's today's date here's what we start each uh one of these four or three or four uh rotaries that creates seventeen thousand possible combinations so they considered it unbreakable hmm. um the, the, what they didn't know was that fairly early in the war they the americans captured um not the Americans, the Brits captured the a, a submarine intact and got the uh, Enigma machine, got a lot of the uh, code books, and it was top secret. No one knew until long after the war was over. But even without that, the strength of the U-boats is that they were coordinated from Dunas, basically, from the headquarters in Laurent, France, on the Bay of Biscay. and but the way they were controlled is that uh, Donuts insisted that the U-boat captains call in several times a day, and he would send them radio messages several times a day. Because the way they operated is they would have a line of U-boats several hundred miles apart. And once one U-boat spotted a convoy, then headquarters would coordinate bringing the wolf pack together to attack that very that effective. Convoy. Unfortunately, what it also does is the the Allies had figured out, that out and had created radio monitoring systems where they could triangulate where the U-boats were. <laughs> so they were able to move the convoys around uh, away. And so for a part of the war, the, the, the Germans were just befuddled. We can't find any. And we know they're coming through. Um, so the, the strength was actually a weakness for them. Which was true on a lot of things. And I actually right. kind of used that principle in the novel. How do you turn an enemy's strength into a weakness? It's just like, you know, jujitsu. Um, and my, my, like their own ego. Yeah, exactly. And so my, my captain, my hero, Captain Rogers, is a big burly guy, but he uses his brains more than his, his brawn. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, the fact that he's read so much is, and he's a deep thinker about things uh, helps him uh, pull off some hopefully believable 
escapes. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play no that's yeah i I, i'm looking forward to finishing it and the whole nine yards so don't even (laughs) don't even stress that i'm excited i'm excited for the success of your book i really want to see you know uh people talking about it and just enjoying it and uh having it on their shelf like you have these books on your shelf behind you you know something in their core memory like hey people ask me hey rad what's a book that really resonates with you and i I have to go back to the Babe Ruth story from seventh grade. I couldn't put it down. I'd walk through the halls. I was flipping the pages. A young kid loved baseball. You know, that's me. And, did, you know, those are core memories that uh, I feel like impact. Did you ever read uh, Roger Kahn? He wrote The Boys of Summer. And um, he, he wrote a profile of Babe Ruth. And my, one of my favorite lines of any sports writer was when he said that when when Babe Ruth moved, center stage moved with him. You know, and it's just, it was brilliant because he was, he was like the super, superhero uh, of, you know, the Michael Jordan of his time or the Tiger Woods combined, probably. He still is of our time today. It's Babe Ruth. Yep. I mean, he's living this legacy even a hundred years later, really. Oh, you yeah. know, it's like, here he is. And, we're talking about him because <laughs> his book, that book, yeah. <laughs> seventh grade, <laughs> little rat in seventh grade, just obsessed with baseball. I wanted to go pro. Oh, so really? Like, oh, that's great. The, the teacher's like, you have, everybody's like, you have to pick a book out of the library and read it. And I was like, man, Babe Ruth, done. So <laughs> actually, uh, one of the screenplays I wrote involves a uh, one-time pro baseball player who in his first pro game uh, gets beamed in the back of the head and this based on a true story. Oh. There was one player that got beam and could never play again because he had uh, a benign vertigo, benign positional vertigo, which means that out of nowhere, all of a sudden you're spinning and spinning, spinning around. So this player gets involved in uh, being suspected of a murder and he's trying to get away and prove he's innocent. But every time he, gets into a crisis his vertigo hits and so uh mm-hmm. 
Right. Anyway, but that's, again, <laughs> that, I love it. I'm, I love it. <laughs> and he, the way he coaches, he's a high school coach. The way he coaches, he has baseball cards and he'll, he'll pull them out to illustrate a point with the kids. Uh, I forget the name. Uh, it's been so long since I've read my own screenplay, but there was one, I think it was a Yankee pitcher that only had one hand. Um, and, Jim Abbott. Yeah, Jim Abbott. Thank you. Yes. And so yeah, he, uh, hey, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but one of his players is very uh, one of his kids pitchers is really upset about how bad things are going. And he said, things are great for you. Look at Jim Abbott. You know, you could be him. Yeah. Look at Jim yeah. Abbott, dude. One arm. Yeah. yeah rocks his glove on his yep. fist. Okay, and then switches it and throws the ball. Yeah, I have his rookie card. Oh, you're so kidding. Let's go. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Look, man, the funny thing is. I love baseball. <laughs> I, I know nothing about baseball, but I was doing research because I knew who this character was. And so I had to do all this research on all these different players. I had uh, I uh, Gene Hodges. Uh, the name of the screenplay is The Losing Streak. And it's the story that this guy right. tells is when Love it. Gene Hodges went like 40 straight games without a hit and including in the World Series. And they would hold masses just for him, <laughs> praying for him. Uh, hey, I could play a coach in the movie. No problem. Put me <laughs> in. I'm ready to play. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, yeah, you could just say I've been out of the league for a while, grew my hair out. Yeah. You know, it's like run the bases, kids. <laughs> so it's, I just love doing the research and, and uh, learning things that I knew nothing about and trying to write authoritatively about them. And, uh, you know, write something that you learn something while you're being entertained. And uh, that's, that's kind of yeah. what I try to do with this book. I mean, it entertains me, <laughs> but it entertains others. <laughs> well, you're a dream chaser, uh, you know, John, and you went to bed and woke up and said, I can do this and you've pursued it. And it took you 18 months to go from, you know, this getting signed with an agent to launching it out there. So anybody listening who has the thoughts of becoming a talent and writing and getting your book out there, it's a process, right? And you just oh, yeah. have to stay the course for it and, uh, and keep dreaming it, right? Because. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's why John's doing, I'm sure what John's doing is we're chasing what makes us happy, right? Yep. We're going after those types of, um, um, I guess, verifications in life. What's, what am I looking for? Ac yeah. I don't know. Affirmation. Yeah. Happy. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. happy. Yeah. yeah. Affirmation. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Now, John, I've had you for almost an hour. We've listened to you talk so well about the U-boats and your book. And I, I hate to wind it down, but... I'm going to let you go. And if there's anything that you would like to close with, I'll let you have uh, a minute to say, go ahead. If there's a website or uh, anything you want to say, go well, ahead. Thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I have my website, johnwinmiller.com, where you can read more about me, about the book. Uh, you can read about my lovely daughter, Allison Miller, who's a star on uh, ABC's A Million Little Things. Uh, the TV show. So, oh. <laughs> I, I drop her name all the time. I joke. Shout out. I joke. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I joke when, when I was growing up, I was known as my father's son, and now I'm known as my daughter's father. <laughs> so, anyway, oh, I hope you'll enjoy. Is, uh, yeah. I hope you'll read the book uh, and find it uh, fun and entertaining, educational, and also thought provoking about. What happens in in when when we stop being tolerant and when ideology trumps honor and decency? So I think you'll have a good time if you read it. Well, I can't uh, end it on a better word than uh, tolerance and uh, decency with one another here. So yep. uh, as we have been on the show, I appreciate that time with you. Uh, you've been uh, eloquent in your speaking, and I'm sure <laughs> on behalf of myself, the soft rep family, community, Brandon Webb, everybody that's involved with this whole website. I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, we'll talk about when it goes to movie next yes, time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> because I'm looking forward to being your coach, whatever you need. Okay. You just let me know, but great. Wonderful. All around. To I hope you much success. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, John. And with that said, this is rad. Your host on soft rep saying peace. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. 
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 